Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today on the show, we have the founder of Sadire, Dan, with us. He has built such a great community and brand behind the inspiration of sadness. Sadire's mission is to both expose the problems of modern culture that are making us unhappy in the digital age by means of satire and bring awareness to mental health issues and empower those who may suffer from mental illnesses. Dan shares with us how his depression and sadness led him to create not only satire, but the great indoors. You can connect with Dan on Instagram at Sadire, S-A-D-I-R-E. Hi, Dan. Hi. Thank you so much much for coming on. You're in Hawaii right now, which is (laughs) sounds amazing. What island are you in? Oh, that's amazing. I'm in Honolulu right now. Are you from Hawaii? No, not at all. In fact, I didn't even think I was going to, I didn't even know I was going to Hawaii until the day before. My mom's been stuck in Japan because of quarantine. And my dad's been, was going to be out here by himself. So I was feeling too, almost like too busy to even come out really to Hawaii. And then, I don't know, I was having a really bad day. And part of me kind of really wanted to stew in feeling bad. But then I was just like, you know what, I'll just go visit my dad in Hawaii and see if I can decompress and feel better. When did you get there? How long have you been there for? I've been here since Tuesday. Um... And then I'll be I'll be coming back tomorrow. Okay, awesome. That's nice. Do you feel like decompressed and reset a little bit, re-energized? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like wherever I go, there I am. So like, even when I like yeah. go somewhere else, I've been to be honest, like, kind of feeling a little low lately. Mm-hmm. So. I have too. I mean, we all do. We all do times. And this is weird. Usually, I'm excited. For the year, it's usually very hectic. Yeah. Hectic, so you know, there's happening. so much happening, and then January was very slow. slow, and it felt really like sad. And I was so unmotivated because you feel like you can't even plan or set goals, or there's nothing to look forward to. Like we used to have fashion weeks, yeah. like for like we would so you much, know, so much work and yeah. coming up, and yeah. like all the award shows and everything. Like they're all delayed. Like yeah, yeah. and everything is still kind of in a limbo. And as creatives, I think we need that kind of stimulation. Yeah, yeah. I feel like everything feels the same lately for a Every long day, time. Like it's so. like Groundhog Day, and yeah, the, the Groundhog, <laughs> like Groundhog they killed Day. it. It yeah. died. Yeah. No, <laughs> did you guys Wait, hear? <laughs> like no, like you know, it was Groundhog Day the other day, and like the, the mayor dropped it on its head, and it died. Oh my oh, god, man. that's like so poetic. Sorry. <laughs> How 2021 of oh that groundhog. <laughs> okay, anyway. Wait, okay, so I read this in the news and then I saw it on Instagram. So maybe it's not real, but I'm pretty sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> because it's also such a 2021 thing. But anyway, Dan, thank you for coming on the show. We are, we love what you're doing. Similarly, you have a clothing line that supports mental health initiatives and brings awareness to mental health called sad ire sad ire sorry sad ire sad ire so like satire with the d, d but it's because it's sad I it sad eye and sad ire sad ire yeah is it derived from sad yeah it is derived from sad okay. <laughs> sad I, yeah, I, I, when i read your like bio i love that you want to not promote the idea of making sadness be okay but it, it actually yeah. i love that because 
to me, there's always been such beauty and feeling sad. And I studied philosophy when I was a kid. And to me, it was just like mm-hmm. some poetry or like some writings that I would read. It, it'd just be so calming in a way to know that it's a feeling that can be so beautiful yeah. yet so sad and not, you know, you don't want to show it, but... And I want to hear about your story. Yeah, we we love that. So obviously you have the brand now, but I feel that there's such a big story underneath the brand and and how you came to start it. Yeah. In a weird way, I feel like I've always been drawn to this feeling of sadness. And the brand kind of came from, I don't know, I've been kind of dealing with mental health for like you know, even before it's called mental health. It yeah, was just like, you know, I'm a sad we emo like kid. Little, yeah. yeah, we were all <laughs> sad emo kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do I feel this way? <laughs> you know? And I don't know. I, it was never like okay for me to be sad. I was from the East Coast. And, you know, it was kind of like, especially for like a male on the East Coast, you don't really, you get made fun of if you're too emotional, if you're writing poems, or if you're feeling sad. And, I didn't really have anything buddy to like look up to or like any resources or nobody was seeming to really talk about it. In New Jersey, it's like, you're sad, like you just keep it to yourself. And I kind of carried that with me kind of feeling, I think, alienated, like a a lot of my life. I think a lot of people do, you know, they kind of feel like they're alone in it and like no one really understands them. About two and a half, three years ago, I went through a period of extreme depression, you know, like as bad as it can get, can't leave my room, you know, thoughts of suicide, like as bad as you can get, I felt like I was in that road and I didn't, felt like I was combusting and I didn't know how to talk about it or explain it to anybody. It was just like a hard thing to talk about. And it's not like my friends don't understand, but what do you tell them? Like, yeah, I just don't feel like being alive. <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a weird thing to talk about. And I kind of just came up with this idea of like, well, I just wanted to express myself. So I, I really just started putting sad poems that I wrote on t-shirts. Like I went to my local t-shirt shop and was like, put these sad things, the sad poem and the sad picture and put it on the t-shirt. And I was like, wow, this is, this is great. You know, I, I feel like I, I could express myself and and you I would wear the t-shirt around like, I would wear yeah my own t-shirt around that's cool <laughs> of my sad poem and I quickly realized you know it wasn't couldn't just be like a way of expressing myself but it could be a way for other people to express themselves too you know clothing is a clothing is a way you express yourself and so from there, it just slowly, like, I almost named actually the clothing. I was so sad at the time. Like, I just wanted to make everything sad. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to name it Sad Boy Clothing. I'm going to, like, keep putting emo poems on. And then it kind of kept evolving from there where I was like, all right, maybe it can be something more, you know. Maybe I can make it okay for other people to kind of express how they feel. And sad art could be kind of a movement where, you know, we don't have to look down upon sadness, but we can kind of embrace it uh accept it and yeah. e- even laugh about it so there's a lot of humor in, in satire as well kind of like this joke that yeah life sucks but it kind of sucks for everyone and it, and it's kind of funny <laughs> that is literally my other podcast is called i suck at life so i, <laughs> I feel i i'm right there with you <laughs> it's so important to use I think like how you found t-shirts or use other creative mediums to spread that message and to share that message because sometimes just talking about it 
sometimes it's hard to just spit it out. But if you can use other forms of art or creativity. Turn it into art. Art, yeah. It, it becomes more impactful. And I think you can sh- build a community out of it as well. Was it healing for you to put your sadness into art, let's say? D- did it change the way you felt at that time? I feel like it kind of saved me Mm -hmm. um, in a way. Like I didn't really have a purpose in life. I didn't know what I was doing. Like many people, I didn't know why I was here. I didn't feel like there was a purpose at times. And I was like, wow, when I felt this and then, you know, I I sold my first couple of t-shirts and I would get these messages like, yo, like I know exactly how you feel. Thanks for doing this. I was hooked. I was like, wow, maybe I can help people feel like they're part of something or I can help change the culture you know I think sadness has such a stigma to it it's like but it's such a normal integral part of human nature and it can be beautiful as well and whole point of satire is not really feel like oh I'm sad but like yeah like sadness is just it's normal you know we should all be able to talk about it freely and I think if people felt like they could talk about it freely they wouldn't be so sad almost like ironically you know no it's true the worst thing you can do is to keep your sadness inside or your depression or your anger whatever it is or your anxieties and you just let it foster and build up and it comes to the point where it's unmanageable it combusts like you were saying earlier so you definitely need that you need an outlet you need a friend you need that community or or, or platform where you can talk about it or at least feel relatable. Like I'm sure people see something on your shirt and they're like, oh, I, I felt like that the other day or I feel that right, like that right now. And it makes yeah. them feel more normal. And they and it, and it is normal. Sadness is normal. I feel like when yeah. I was a kid, I was such a sad kid to the core where I just have this permanent sad <laughs> face. Yeah. And we would go on vacation and I was on a boat and my uncle would be like, you have a boat face. And I'm like, no, that's a sad face. He, he just didn't know how to say it, but like, he was just like, you need to like, smile. Like, smile. They would always tell me smile. So I, I just got new teeth. So I'm going to, I have to practice smiling <laughs> because I never smile. Okay. <laughs> there you go. No, but there's a the thing when you were used to being so sad for many years, you're almost scared to like leave that kind of feeling because there's kind of comfort in that. For me, there was so much comfort in feeling that way. It was just like a, an excuse to not do things or not just decide who I want you to be. And I feel like now I'm the opposite of that. And when I get sad, I'm like, oh, wait, I was, I've been sad before. Like, I know what it, it, this is fine, but I sometimes I get triggered and it's, it's very interesting the way that sadness, you know, can creep in your life. Yeah. I mean, I, I think very much you get addicted to being sad yeah. in a way. You like it. You want to indulge in it. It's this feeling. Sometimes I feel like I'll miss the sadness, you know? I'll be sad and I'll listen to more sad music to make me more sad. You just kind of want to lean into that state. It can be very it's cathartic. Really it's a thing. zone where, yeah, yeah. I definitely felt that way for many years. I now I'm it. trying to beat it, but it's... Have you, what I still struggle with it. Have you tried? We talk about therapy a lot on the show, obviously, and like different tools and Mm -hmm. mechanisms to help work through whatever mental health issue or whatever you're dealing with. Is there anything you've tried that's helped you? Obviously, I think the main thing is meditation. You know, I'm sure a lot of people say that depression is really like the inability to control your own thoughts. And meditation is the only thing that I know that helps you try to control your thoughts instead of your thoughts controlling you. And so I think it helps 
It's the only thing I know that helps you control your thoughts. And I do think depression is the fact you can't control your thoughts. You know, you have these looping thoughts of like, yeah, it'll just keep looping and you'll play it all day in your head unconsciously. You're you're nobody, you're nothing. This isn't going to work. Nobody loves you. You know, you'll just keep saying those things. And you get to a point where you don't even realize like you're saying this stuff to you all day long and it takes a toll on you. So I've been trying very much to at least practice meditation You'll catch yourself, you know, yeah. with the mm-hmm. whole point of meditation, catching those thoughts of being like, no, those are just thoughts. They're not you. So that's been helping a lot. I've been trying to do a lot of gratitude as well. One thing that changed my life and when I think things got better for me, and I still think I'm going through it all the time. You know, this is a whole, Process. maybe a lifelong journey, journey yeah. for mm-hmm. me. And it's cool for me to go also on this journey and have my clothes reflect the journey. I think as I'm getting older and I'm I'm dealing with my sadness, I'm having a different view on sadness. And I think the clothing is changing because of it. But I would do three things every day when I started to change my life around. And I, I would, in the shower, I would go, what am I thankful for? What do I want from the universe? And what am I willing to give back in order to get what I want? Law of attraction, yeah. basically. And I, I would not leave the shower until... I did those three things. And actually so many times, like I'd leave the shower halfway and then I'd be like, no, damn, like you got to go back. And, like, <laughs> I love that. And just to really f- <laughs> to feel it, you know, like I have to feel it. Like I can't just say it. So I would just force myself to feel it. And I think when I started, I'm a big fan of law of attraction really now. I, I see the kind of the powers in it. Hopefully it's not all BS, but. It's oh, not. it's not. It's definitely not. I think. I think if you talk to anyone who's really embraced the law of attraction, it can be such a powerful tool to like change your life. Because you're forced to work on that stuff versus if you didn't have to deal with it, you wouldn't even know the, the awareness that you can reach and the levels of awareness. And consciousness, yeah. And so I think it's it's almost like a gift, like a difficult gift, but I think it's necessary. I mean, I don't know anybody that's not gone through that. Really. Do you find yourself that you attract people who also have deep sadness and trauma? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely feel like I'm attracted to people who understand, who are like thinking about their life. I don't know that many really happy people. I can't name you one person in my life, actually, where I'm like, I look at them and they're happy. They have it figured out. They're okay. Crazy thing is like, I think a lot of people are going through this weird human experience of why are we here? What are we doing? I think definitely this past year, I would say yes. But prior, there were a lot of people that they were using a lot of outside distractions to to medicate to yeah. medicate their what was going on internally. I think for me, I see the sadness in people, but I think some people are not even aware of that. Exactly, they, they just, don't know. They, they think they just they're, they just operate by changing the tone of their voice. They're like being their happy version or whatever. But I see I see mm-hmm. the sadness in people totally, and I think I like it but, sometimes. Yeah. I think it's poetic and, and beautiful and I think that well it makes you real it makes you very real you know and sometimes I'll be with someone and they're like you look so sad I'm like well I am but you don't let me be in my moment because maybe I'm thinking about some maybe I'm you don't have to be happy all the time yeah yeah I, I think yeah. in America like they make you think that you, think have, that to you have to be happy all the time versus in Europe it's okay to be a little bit sad there's the email culture is more <laughs> accepted in a way that it's like, mm. I, th- I think maybe that's why I grew up like more. Yeah, like, and then, in, yeah. In Egyptian culture, people are always sad. 
but they always make fun of it. So it's more like I, they they find the irony in it. They, they find like, the yeah. humor in the sadness. So it's. I like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. Well, not like that they're sad. No, but, but that's you know, what I, I like, learned. I learned to make fun of, yeah. not make fun of or find, like always joke about finding jokes or always being almost self-deprecating, which mm. I had to learn how to balance that because it can go to one end of the spectrum. But it is totally interesting to see how different cultures accept or reject sadness and but see, you were saying that in New Jersey it wasn't okay as a yeah. as a boy to. But be you're like sad. of Japanese b- background. How was sadness? Oh, all- I'm half Japanese. You're half Japanese. Okay. But yeah. It, was it not accepted, or was it like not allowed to show it, or yeah. did that affect you at all? I mean, just growing up in my household, my dad was military. Around my mom was Japanese, and they don't really talk about their feelings. So yeah. like that combined, we didn't really talk about our feelings ever. That just wasn't part of the conversation, and. I guess music was a big outlet, listening to music, like emo music. At least you feel like someone is out there having the same problems with you. So I really got into emo music. Taking back Sunday. Going to like, har- <laughs> yeah, taking oh, back Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Angels and Airwaves, like Death Cab for Cutie. I yeah, mean, so I was, <laughs> I have CDs. So I much kept Death Cab. Death Cab, yeah. I, I have, <laughs> I know, I have CDs, like for different emotions. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's not cool. Like, it was sad. They were, like, suicidal CDs. Oh, no. I know. I was so emo. I was oh. so emo. But I would sit there and listen. I wouldn't do my homework, and I would just put these CDs on. They would burn from LimeWire, if you remember that. LimeWire. LimeWire. <laughs> and then I would Shut dim out. my lights and just stare at the ceiling. That's how I coped. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I guess I was more reading, not even like music was not as big as maybe for you guys, but reading that literature and poetry. So yeah, I did. I, the music was my thing, definitely. Yeah. And then I think I would go look, I think it was Zanga at the time. I was like in the fifth, before MySpace, Zanga, if you guys remember what that mm-hmm. is. It was before MySpace, and they had all these like sad quotes and like. Aww. And you repost them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, AO, AO, and the way message was yeah. taking back Sunday all the time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's funny because I think a lot of us who went through that as kids were so much more aware as adults. Mm-hmm. In a way, it's a blessing and a curse, right? You can feel, you can feel things, you see past everyone's bullshit. And sometimes it actually makes you sadder to see things for oh, how they are. Totally. It, you know, mm. but it's also a blessing because you see things for how they are. Are you guys spiritual? I'm very spiritual. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah, very spiritual. Lately, that's kind of been a big difference for me in trying to find happiness. I always thought there's two theories growing up as a kid. One was the world is randomized chaos. And one is there's purpose. There's a meaning to everything. And when I was young, I had a few friends pass away and tragic accidents and it really made me think okay we're dealing with the paradigm of the world being very much randomized chaos we are not in control there might not be any purpose to it we're just here by chance and then lately i've been trying to just think the other way like okay i have a purpose here and i I got my purpose through sad eye really and a lot of weird synchronicities would started to happen in order for that for that event to occur you know things that i thought were bad and turning good like having a very big heartbreak and certain moments helped push to the creation i was like all right maybe there is a purpose and maybe it's not all randomized chaos i just thought maybe that there was 
you know, just kind of a meaning. And that kind of really helped a little bit of what would be my depression, just feeling like you have a purpose. And I think that's very important to have. I grew up in a very religious household and I've very much had my own experiences where like it's proven to me there is a God and I talk to God all the time. I don't know who I talk to, but I talk to something or someone. So I don't name it, but I just talk to it. <laughs> That's what I say too. I say the universe. Yeah, the universe. I think God it's a universe. Talk. Yeah, I think it's. But the is the universe God, and is God the universe? To me, I see it as like one. I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's like life, and it get, life gives you hints, and you either follow them or not, and that's how you make things happen. But I don't know if they're coming from a God or from the universe, or from just the way that. The energy flows. I'm not sure, but there's definitely something. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. That's how I feel lately. That there is some kind of purpose, and I think a lot of people have become more spiritual since coronavirus. Strangely, you know, people got time to really like think about things and not be so distracted by the next thing, next thing, the next thing, and how to think about the deeper meaning to all of this. I mean, life itself is such a crazy thing. Yeah. I think to develop an idea on spirituality, you have to have time to think about where you stand and what you want and what you feel. And I think before COVID, we didn't have that moment to connect. So I think that helped a lot. And you definitely have to detach from a lot of worldly things to be able to tap into your higher self. And this time has made us detach, whether we like it or not, from a lot of worldly pleasures and things. I wanted to ask you a question about your collection, The Great Indoors. If you can talk about the inspiration behind that and how that started. And I mean, I, I basically wore sweatpants every single, like I'm wearing sweatpants right now. I haven't not worn sweatpants one day in an entire year. And that's no exaggeration. I have worn sweatpants every single day. And I wanted to kind of create something where you could feel good wearing sweatpants. Just like sadness has a negative stigma. Like I feel like sweatpants have a negative stigma. Like it's just something you throw on when you don't care. And so I kind of spent pretty much the entire quarantine buying every type of sweatpants, wearing everything every single day, and then kind of just being like, all right, I'm going to design my own sweatpants to make the perfect sweatpants. Maybe something that would make people feel good when they wore it, feel good to be inside. And so the whole tagline is, I hope these clothes make you comfortable in uncomfortable times. That's kind of the whole root of the great indoors. It's kind of a play on the great outdoors, but it's obviously indoors. So if you can see yeah, the hat, it's got it. a, a little couch on it. I and love the color. It's so cool. Yeah. So like ode to like, a, just to be more satirical, but like John Deere. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, you know, I know. We used, yeah. I used to love John Deere. <laughs> I grew up in Kansas, so they were very popular anyway. Do you feel that quarantine has allowed you to really fine tune like your creative expression even more? Yeah. I just was forced to really be inside and be with myself. Before quarantine, I was out almost every night. I was actually working in nightlife, which is not a good place oh, to be. Oh, uh, in LA? mental health. Finding your spirituality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I oh, lost myself. Was that myself. your background? Was that what you were doing before? I took a weird way into getting into nightlife. And I stayed in there for three years working like for all the clubs in LA and all the clubs in even Vegas, going out four nights a week. Holy drinking crap. like no I mean it was a, a uh -uh. very big lifestyle change wow <laughs> totally. I I will say my biggest regret when I moved to LA is I got into the nightlife scene 
I don't think I. And I fucking lost myself for a little bit. And I was chasing, I was like making the wrong things my priority. And a lot of the people in nightlife don't know what they're doing. And they're kind of just lost creatures that are like circling Mm -hmm. in circles and they're not moving forward. It's a really lost place for sure. And And I was lost in it as well. And it really took a bunch of things to occur. One of them being, you know, a bad breakup, kind of hitting rock bottom. Then, you know, it took coronavirus to really like, all right, now I can't, I can't go to work to really kind of get away from it. You know, I could talk forever about nightlife. Nightlife in LA is very weird. It's a very strange place where, you know, it's, it's, just, it's not, re- there's it's not, not a lot of real friendships. No. It's like, I saw a lot of darkness and I would always feel empty after mm-hmm. my cup was never full. Right. And you're, you're like, okay, I'm going to keep chasing the party and you keep chasing all these parties and these experiences and your cup is never full. I think it hit me one time seeing these girls and these guys who are like 45, almost 50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like these girls who are 30, 31, 32, and they have nothing to their name. They didn't create anything for themselves. And they're still chasing these fake promises of like these older guys and their tables and their rented houses and rented cars. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what is going on? I have to get myself out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd leave after dinner and be like, no, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm going home. Cause it just promoter me- dinners. Oh my God. That's how yeah. I survived though. My first couple of years in LA was eating promoter dinners. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Not, do you know what that yeah. is? Okay. So promoter dinners. Hey, you, you, you explain it. Cause you probably did a lot of them. Promoter dinners is when restaurants, in order to promote the restaurant, give away free dinners to whether it be, you know, a specific crowd, whether it be models or beautiful girls. And in exchange for the food, you know, they would help fill up whatever the restaurant be and the restaurant would look like it's more popular or it's like, you know, like it's a hot spot for all these young people. So other people would come, but they would give free dinners out to these promoters and whoever they were with in order to seem cool. Make it look like it's... And, exactly. You know, yeah, got it. Exactly. But you'd have to typically stay. It either turned it into a club or there was a club with it. And so you'd have to stay after dinner. after dinner at the table for at least like an hour or two to make it seem like the club was popping so people would go then and want to buy tables. I think it'd be asleep by then. Yeah, it's all a big illusion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, Yeah. Now you know. <laughs> Do you think you'll ever go back to nightlife? No, never. <laughs> Good. Good. The great indoors. You're an indoor guy now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an indoor guy now. It's it's so weird to change from going out every night to going staying in <laughs> every night for sure. I tried to stay sane in that nightlife by you know, providing people good experiences, taking care of them, being like kind of a safe haven in this bad world and just Making sure, Making you sure people were taken care yeah, of. Yeah, and not getting drugged or like screwed over. And, I mean, we we could have a whole series on LA nightlife. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but when do you feel the most real, Dan? I feel the most real lately when I'm just doing things for myself and not posting it online. I think anytime you post it online, you got to kind of think of why you're posting it online and what you're trying. Social media for me, has been a place where you just see people kind of bragging about the life. Look what I'm doing. Look where I am. 
look who I'm with. My life is so good. It becomes this place of social signaling and kind of conveying to others that you're doing good. And lately I've been just trying to have authentic experiences and not post anything online. In fact, I didn't post anything that online in that I was in Hawaii because I don't want to make people feel bad when they're in quarantine by themselves. Why do they need to know I'm in Hawaii? They're my real friend. They know because they message me saying, what's up? But like, does my 2000 something followers need to know what I'm doing that I'm having, you know, I'm in this beautiful place and look at this sunset. They're clicking through. People are only using social media to post their own stuff. They're rarely paying attention or care about what other people doing in that sense. Yeah, I I think definitely, you know, you have like your handful of people that actually care that he has a shirt that says you're not what you are on instagram right yeah so i feel like and you have it on a phone shape too right oh who you are in here does not reflect who you are out there yeah Yeah. out there yeah but i think to me it's obvious maybe because i do it my job is to post for money on instagram Mm. so to me it's obvious that that's almost like a magazine just scroll through it to like find the clothes you like or whatever you like but it's not my life, but I realize that most people don't think that way because it's not their job. So well, they think, I think like even when I met you, Marta, like she had really a whole idea about yeah, me exactly. that it wasn't and at I didn't all think what we were going to be best friends. But now, and just because of the job that mm-hmm. I had, or because I was posting on Instagram a certain way, and a lot of people think of me a certain way just because of the posting that I do in real life and it's in my very different personal yeah. life. I'm. I'm very the great indoors. Well. <laughs> like I'm Marta the most indoor is, person ever. Yeah, Marta doesn't even like going to the beach. Yeah, I just <laughs> no. like to like. Well, I mean, I do, but, but like, you're like, yeah, I'm a homebody. Like, yeah, completely. I mean, I think social media is not all inherently bad. It can be used for good things. It, it was the concept is great. Like, share your life with your friends and other people. It's just. It's become like a whole thing. I guess I like to really look at why am I posting yeah. something okay. now? But am I, I think, posting it because I want my friends to see to know where I am and see how I'm doing? Or Yeah, and I think there's a way we wouldn't have our podcast or even have your clothing line if it wasn't for social media yeah, too. For sure. no, it's so right. like it's a double-edged sword. So like it can be a really great tool or it could really be a negative tool. And I think it's everyone has to set their boundaries on how they use it and how they let yeah. it affect their life. And sometimes I have to just take a break for a week and just get off of it yeah. and to reset. Cause sometimes I'm looking through people and I know that it's not, not real, but it's a curated and I'm like, but oh, it affects you in a certain way. Yeah. And I'm think, like, wait, yeah. like, wait, I know these people, I know they're curating this. Why is it, you know, why am I letting it affect me? I think for me, it pushes me forward and I, I use it like as a creative platform where I'm like, okay, like, let's see, like, what can mm. I do for my next photo shoot? Like I, I use it more like as a creative as tool. Inspiration. Inspir- and, yeah. yeah, inspiration. So I feel like I try to see it as, as for that as much as I can. And then I'll go and just Jared and find out that Harry Styles is dating like Olivia Wilde and I'll be like, oh, that's cool. But like, I try <laughs> to not be like too caught up with the, with the negative side of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a practice. Like it's a muscle. Like you have yeah. to train your mind and your brain not to look at it like that because it I can think, be challenging. Yeah, for sure. I, how old were you when you, when Instagram came out? I think I was around four. It's weird to see how Instagram evolved over time too. When you're 17, like it was like, I'm just posting. You're very like, young though. Yeah. Like, I was going to say you're you younger look, than us. Are you, how old are you? I'm a 29. Oh, oh wow. you are? I thought I thought you were like 24. <laughs> or yeah. You're very young. You're just kidding. You're not <laughs> mm-hmm. older than me. I, I think I downloaded it in 2013, so I was 19. Or 
Yeah. I was, I, I was probably, it, actually, that was probably more right. I was probably that age as well. It was right when, like, freshman year of college. And it was used in a completely different yeah, way, though, yeah. like, I feel back then. There was no such thing as influencers. No, it was just, no. like, you genuinely trying to connect with your friends. Have you seen see the documentary Fake so Famous exciting. on HBO? No, I didn't see that. No, I haven't you seen it. You should watch it. They basically make inf- they. It's an experiment. They took three normal people and made them influencers ah. within like a few months. But they, yeah. So they show you the whole process. And yeah, that. and like all the negative side and and mm. what happens and what the, yeah. Anyway, it's, it was mm. super interesting. I don't agree with it. the The director hates. I think influencers. Yeah, uh-huh. and he hates uh, Instagram. Instagram. So he has like a bias. But it's very interesting to see. And he really showed how brands work with influencers mm. and things like that. Mm. It's interesting. I mean, I think for people who aren't in the world, it's interesting. But anyway, where can people connect with you, find Satire, find The Great Indoors? People can find me on Instagram, just Satire, S-A-D-I-R-E, or the website www.satire.com. That's pretty much where you'll find me. I mean, I try to use it as kind of a, a personal diary as well. Sometimes writing my feelings and thoughts on there. It's kind of an experiment that I'm, you know, still trying to figure out some ways. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. This was really fun. Thank you so much.